Happy Friday, everybody. It is Friday, November 18th, 2022. This is the Second Half Podcast. I'm Tom Powell, and as always, if you're listening to this, that means you made it through another week and margaritas are in order. This is the point in the podcast in which I give you a reason to go get margaritas, and this week's reason is because next week is Thanksgiving week. It, the holidays have begun, right? That That's it. We're all out of later. For everybody that likes to say the Christmas season, the holiday season doesn't begin until Thanksgiving. It, it, it's not the holidays between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Well, motherfucker, it's Thanksgiving now. We are less than a week away from Thanksgiving. We are into the holiday season. So go get yourself a pitcher of margaritas. Maybe two, maybe three. Celebrate accordingly. Especially if you're one of the fortunate folks that next week you get to have a four-day weekend. You're not working on Thanksgiving. You're not working on uh, Black Friday. And you're not working on the weekend. Go celebrate the fuck out of that, would you? Seriously. And have a good Thanksgiving while you're at it. If you want to discuss Thanksgiving meals, by the way, you got to go tune in to my other podcast this week uh, over on Patreon. Uh, this week's episode, I discuss appropriate and acceptable Thanksgiving meals and, and what's not appropriate and acceptable for your Thanksgiving table. That's uh, if you go to the, the the website that I'm about to read you here in a little bit and, and you click on my Patreon link, you can subscribe over there for $4.20 a month and you can catch up on all of those podcasts. Uh, speaking of my website, though, let me do some housekeeping like I do every week for the people that are finding me for the first time. Uh, because they may be a little bit confused about who I am and what we do here. So, for the people who are finding me for the first time, this is the first time you're listening to me, this is the first episode you've listened to, you don't know what this podcast is about, there are a couple of things that you need to know. First, this is an amateur podcast, nobody's paying me to do this, I'm not a professional podcaster or whatever the fuck that title may happen to be. I do this for fun at home. Uh, on my on my laptop with, with a cheap ass mic I got from uh, from Amazon, so it's not done in in a studio. I don't have a, an editor and a producer and a mixer. I, I'm not in a soundproof booth. You're going to hear background noises. You're going to hear things that maybe aren't supposed to be in a podcast, and you're going to go, "Well, that's unprofessional." Yeah, that's the point. I'm not a professional podcaster, so just kind of roll with it. You know what I mean? Uh, the second thing that you should know if you're finding me for the very first time, as I mentioned before, is my website. And that website would be oldhippymedia.com. That's oldhippie.com. There you're going to find damn near anything you want to know about me. You're going to find my blog, uh, links on where you can follow me on all the other social media uh, sites, a link to my e-commerce store. Yes, I have merch, t-shirts, and hoodies, and phone cases, and magnets, and and Christmas ornaments and coasters and you fucking name it. My, my holiday gear is up at my merch store now. You're going to find a link on where you can buy my first two books. I'm a self-published author, and I have two books available in paperback or ebook formats. They are entitled A Grateful Life, The Life Story of a Husband, Father, and Taco-Loving Deadhead, and Dearest Renee, Letters from the Coronavirus War of 2020. You're going to find a link on where you can uh, book me on Cameo. I, I do video shout-outs on Cameo. Uh, and last but definitely not least, as I mentioned before, you can find my other podcast over on Patreon uh, at my website. Uh, Patreon is a paid subscription service. I charge $4.20 per month, and I do bonus podcast episodes over there every other week that can only be heard there, and that are predominantly non-political and include more stories about my own personal past. Uh, once again, all of that can be found at oldhippymedia.com. Remember, it's oldhippie, H-I-P-P-I-E, media.com. We're going to put that away so that we don't uh, advertise the fuck out of you here. And we're going to go ahead and jump into this week's football picks before we get into the the actual news stories of the week. This will be a short uh, football version here. Um, 
for those of you who are finding me for the first time when I do my picks, I don't do the Thursday games because my podcast airs on Friday. So I omit the Thursday games, and people are asking me, well, what about the Thanksgiving games? Uh, I will either do a TikTok video uh, picking the Thanksgiving games, or I'll do just a brief couple-of-minute podcast and upload it next week with just the Thursday picks and nothing else. Uh, but I'll figure out a way to get official Thursday... Uh, or, sorry, man, I got the hiccups. Official Thanksgiving picks, I should say, uh, up before Thanksgiving. Excuse me, I must alleviate myself from the hiccup uh, massacre going on inside my chest. Oh, damn. Okay, last week in the NFL, I went 7-6, and six, bringing my season record to 78-61-1. and one. Uh, last week saw my Indianapolis Colts beat the Las Vegas Raiders in Jeff Saturday's coaching debut, where Jeff Saturday went back to Matt Ryan after Frank Reich uh, benched Matt Ryan in favor of a younger, unproven quarterback. And I thought that the order to bench Matt Ryan might have come down from the upper echelon, the ownership, the Ursays. Uh, but this move, Jeff Saturday bringing Matt Ryan back into the starting fold, makes me think it might have been uh, Frank Reich's doing. Now, if it was Frank Reich's doing, shame on Frank Reich. If it wasn't, if it came from Ursay and, and Jeff Saturday just went, you know what, fuck you, I'm going to start who I want to start, then hats off to you and your enormous fucking ball sack, Mr. Saturday. But, but... That's what Jeff Saturday did in his coaching debut. He went back to Matt Ryan. Uh, he, he put Matt Ryan back in there, and they got the W in Las Vegas against the Raiders. And I'd just like to say congratulations to the Raiders for having the only building in Las Vegas where the house actually loses. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, the other team that I follow uh, the closest, given the fact that I live in the Chicagoland area, are the Bears. And... Of course, the Bears lost to the Lions 31-30, to which is brutal because the Lions absolutely suck. And everybody's geeked out about the Bears quarterback. The kid's got talent. He's got skills. Don't get me wrong. But he's on the fucking Bears. So his career is going to go nowhere. They will destroy him like they have destroyed every quarterback they have ever had. Don't look for this kid to be anything special in the future. If he was on another team, he could be a superstar. He's on the Bears. He's going nowhere. Uh, also, this past week saw the NFL's first ever game in Germany. And the NFL has announced that they will have games in Germany every year for the next four years minimum. And all I have to say about that is the same thing I have to say about games in London, which is... Stop it. Nobody in the United States gives a fuck about European uh, 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 games. Nobody in the United States gives a fuck about whether or not you want to develop a division in Europe. A division in Europe is never going to work if you're going to try and integrate it with the United States NFL. It's never going to fucking work. The teams hate it. It, it causes extreme jet lag and fucks up their schedule left and right. If you want to have international teams, look to our own hemisphere. Look to Canada and Mexico. Stop with the European shit. Just develop a league in Europe if that's what you want. But you are never going to have a successful NFL division in Europe. Stop it. All right. So uh, with that being said, let's get on to this week's winners. Once again, I don't pick the Thursday games. So without the Thursday games, or Thursday game... This week's winners will be the Falcons, Ravens, Bills, Commanders, Eagles, Patriots, Rams, Giants, Broncos, Vikings, Bengals, Chiefs, and 49ers. And just real quickly, the Eagles are playing my Colts. I'd, I'd, I'd love nothing more than to be wrong about the Eagles' victory because I want, I want my Colts to keep winning and, and do well. 
Having said that, the Eagles were 8-0, and and then they lost their first game. That takes the pressure off. I believe the Eagles are going to be 10 times more dangerous now that they've got a loss under their belt. They don't have the pressure of keeping up the undefeated season. Now they can just play. Watch for the Eagles to go on an absolute fucking tear moving forward. And, as always... Do not go bet with my picks because you are guaranteed to lose at least some of your money. All right? Okay. That's enough football for this week. Moving on. Um, Let's start with one brief non-political story. Um, This week, the world's population hit 8 billion. Now, that's an ass load of people. Okay, and that's an absolute assload of people. And when I was looking at the stories about us finally reaching 8 billion uh, people on the planet, I, I noticed in every article it kept saying how quickly, excuse me, how quickly we doubled our population. And apparently uh, the global population has doubled since 1972, which is the year I was born. So in my lifetime, literally, the population of this planet has doubled. And I don't know how many more people we can handle. I'm not suggesting mass genocide. Don't get me wrong. All I'm saying is... uh, We need to seriously think about how many kids we're having moving forward... Uh, Now, I've done my bit for uh, King and Country. I I don't need to worry about whether or not I'm putting too many people or too few people into the world. I've created four human beings in my lifetime, and and I'm I'm done creating human beings. But goddamn, eight billion people. Now, I get it. Generations come and go. We're we're, we're seeing a massive die-off of one generation right now here in the United States, but we just keep producing people. And I just wonder at what point in time it becomes unsustainable. I remember growing up and thinking, you know, well, there are a few billion people on the planet. That's that's nuts. And now you look at it, you got 8 billion people. In a few years, we're going to be at 10 billion people on this planet. I'm just saying, it, at some point in time, it reaches the tipping point of unsustainability. And when it does reach that tipping point of unsustainability, I wonder what happens at that point in time. How does the planet react to to a tipping point of too many of one species? We, we read about it in our science textbooks and our history books about how the globe has reacted to other species that have overpopulated the Earth or, 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 or have populated the Earth to the point where the Earth began to then kill them off. At what point in time does the earth begin to shake us off as a species? I don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. But at the rate we're going, it's going to happen. (laughs) At some point in time, the earth is going to be like, okay, we're done. You're done. We're we're, we're going to cut this off. Anyway, go check out the news stories about the 8 billion people uh, somewhere in the world this year. Somebody was born and they were the 8th billionth person. Can you imagine if they could pinpoint that shit down and identify who that person is? That person would be walking around the rest of their life known as Mr. Eight Billion, Mr. or Mrs. 8 Billion. It, it's nuts to think about. Absolutely nuts. Uh, speaking about nuts, I'm going to briefly touch on another subject. Um, but I don't want to spend too much time on it because the guy is nuts and doesn't deserve our time. Uh, as you know, there was a, uh, a, a lunatic that drove through a Christmas parade in Wisconsin by the name of Daryl Brooks, who then proceeded to represent himself in court and make an absolute mockery out of the entire proceeding and have to be reprimanded a million times during, during the process of his own trial. Well, he has now been sentenced, and he has been sentenced to six consecutive life sentences for killing six people. In that Christmas parade. Now, is it a good thing that this guy is never going to get out of jail and is going to die behind bars? 
yes, it is a good thing. But this is an example of why we need the death penalty. This is a prime example. There is no question as to whether or not this guy did what he did. It's on video from multiple angles. There are dozens of witnesses. We know he did this. Put him to death. Wisconsin doesn't have the death penalty, so it's not going to happen. But that's what should happen to this gentleman. Now that he's been sentenced, there is no reason why he should be breathing anymore. And I understand there are a lot of people that have come at me and, and, and given me their arguments, and I get it that they are against the death penalty for predominantly the reason of innocent people being put to death. I get it. I, I understand that, and I don't necessarily disagree with that position. But if you know somebody did it, if there's irrefutable evidence and proof that they did it, I don't want them to be... Uh, suffering behind bars. That's what people say. Well, they're going to suffer. Now, you want to know what? I don't give a fuck about their suffering. I don't give a fuck about how much it costs to kill them versus keeping them alive. I don't give a fuck if it's inhumane to put them to death. Put them to death. You want to do it through lethal injection? Fine. You want to do it through the election chair? Fine. You want to take them out back and hang them? Fine. You want to shoot them in the back of the head on the front lawn of the goddamn courthouse? Fine. However you want to do it, just do it. This is why we still need a death penalty. Daryl Brooks is why we still need a death penalty, in my opinion. All right, we're going to put that to the side, and we're going to get into the politics now, as we always do here. When last we spoke, we did not know who was going to control which chamber of Congress, and now we do. I predicted before the midterms began that I thought that the Democrats were going to be able to retain the Senate and that the Republicans were going to take the House. Now that the election is over and enough of the ballots have been counted that we know who's going to control each chamber, the breakdown is exactly as I predicted. The Democrats keep the Senate, the Republicans take the House. So it looks like the Democrats are going to, at, at a minimum, retain their 50-50 split in the Senate with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker. At best, they win the Georgia runoff and they have a 51-49 Senate. (coughs) Excuse me. It looks like the Republicans are going to take the House with, it looks like a seven-seat advantage, maybe a 10-seat advantage. Uh, Definitely not the 40, 50, and 60-seat wave that they were talking about. So what happens now? Now that we know who controls each chamber of Congress. Well, this is how it breaks down. The Senate is where you get your judges confirmed. When when you want to appoint a federal judge to some open bench somewhere in the country, or you want to appoint a Supreme Court justice to a vacancy on the high court, the House of Representatives has nothing to do with that. Those confirmations occur in the Senate only. So, for the next two years... Um, the Democratic president, Joe Biden, is going to be able to continue to get his justices confirmed. And if there is a Supreme Court opening in the next two years, he will be able to fill that Supreme Court opening. The House controls the purse strings. So now that the House is in Republican hands, the Republicans have to budget for everything. The Republicans have to appropriate money for the military, the government to function as a whole, uh, and everything else in this country that requires funding. In addition to that, the January 6th Select Committee was in the House. So, when the new Congress takes over, the Republican-led Congress, uh, they are going to disband the January 6th Committee. That investigation is going to be over, and they have already announced what their intentions are. They held a press conference on this yesterday. And they said on day one, they are going to begin investigating Joe Biden. They didn't say anything about inflation. They didn't say anything about jobs. They didn't say anything about uh, the economy as a whole. They didn't say anything about health care. 
they didn't say anything about uh, gas prices. They didn't say anything about, about immigration. They said they want to investigate Joe Biden. <clears throat> all of a sudden, you stopped hearing about all of the things that got people riled up leading into this, right? They now had an opportunity to hold a press conference to tell America what they are going to do for the American people. And they said, we're going to investigate Joe Biden. Now, here's where the Trumpers are going to come out of the woodwork and go, you mean like the Dems did for the last two years that they had the House? Yeah, the Dems did investigate Donald Trump over the course of the last two years. They also got... A shitload of legislation pushed through. The CHIPS Act, the American Rescue and Recovery Act, uh, the infrastructure bill. Uh, They got a ton of shit pushed through Congress in the last two years while investigating Donald Trump. This House is going to get jack shit pushed through. They're going to struggle to fund the government as a whole. (coughs) Kevin McCarthy, the presumed new Speaker of the House, is going to have a 7 to 10 seat majority, which means he can only afford to lose 7 to 10 votes on any subject before he begins to need Democratic help. There are a lot of far right wing loons that got elected in the, uh, into the House of Representatives this year. The far right wing and the moderate right wing are going to argue with themselves over the course of the next two years about fucking everything. And when Kevin McCarthy wants to push through anything, he's going to have to go sit down and talk to the Democrats in the House. He's going to have to work with the Democrats. Because the extreme uh, uh, sections, the extreme fringes of his own party are not going to cooperate with him. This also means, more likely than not, that when the far right wing wants to try to impeach Joe Biden in the House, when Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene puts forth an article of impeachment, I don't think they're going to have the votes. I don't think they're going to have the votes. They're going to need to get 218 votes, 219 votes, uh, to get an impeachment done in the House of Representatives to send those articles of impeachment over to the Senate. I don't think they're going to have it. They didn't get, they're only going to have 222 seats. They didn't get 218 hardcore right-wing Trumpers into Congress. They're not going to have the votes to get anything done. And all they are going to be able to accomplish in the next two years is investigate Joe Biden. So they're going to investigate Biden. They're going to investigate his son. They're going to investigate Fauci. They're going to investigate Hillary Clinton. They're going to investigate everything they want to investigate. And in two years' time, when they haven't done jack shit for the American people, and we're heading into the 2024 presidential election, the American people are going to look around and go, okay, you've investigated the Bidens, you've found nothing, you got zero indictments, and you've passed no legislation to help the American people whatsoever. Why the fuck would we ever give you another chance? The next two years are going to be um, very inconsequential as far as major legislation coming out of the Congress, but extremely consequential in regards to how the 2024 presidential election is going to go. Uh, So just kind of watch how that goes. And don't bitch and moan that they're investigating Joe Biden, okay? When they do this, don't go, I can't fucking believe you guys are doing it. Go ahead, do it. You have the power. Investigate. If that's what you want. If you would rather investigate than actually get legislation passed, knock your socks off. We managed to do both. Good luck, Republicans. Good luck. Uh, This week also saw uh, uh, an advancement of a same-sex protection bill in the Senate, but do not be fooled. It is not what you think it is. Okay, so there is an act, um, like I said, that's making its way through, trying to make its way through Congress, and it has cleared an initial hurdle in the Senate to be voted on. I'm going to read to you now from ABC News. The Senate is poised this week to pass landmark legislation to federally enshrine both same-sex marriage and interracial marriage rights amid what Democrats call 
a, a worry that the Supreme Court's conservative majority could overturn protections for both. Now, that first sentence is critically important to this entire story, folks. The bill would help federally enshrine protections for both same-sex and interracial marriage. Okay, that's key. The first key test vote was Wednesday to start formal debate on the bill. The procedural hurdle was cleared with a 62 to 37 vote. 62 to 37. The Democrats have 50 senators. So 12 Republicans joined the 50 Democratic uh, Democrats in the caucus uh, to vote yes on this. 37 Republicans voted no. <clears throat> that in and of itself is an amazing number. 37 Democrats voted no. Anyway, the 12 Republicans who voted yes were Susan Collins of Maine, Rob Portman of Ohio, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Mitt Romney of Utah, Shelley Moore Capito of West Virginia, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, Roy Blunt of Missouri, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Joni Ernst of Iowa, Todd Young of Indiana, and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out the fact that there is one significant Republican name missing on those yes votes. That would be Mitch McConnell. Now, why is that significant? Why is Mitch McConnell's absence uh, on the yes vote significant? Mitch McConnell is in an interracial marriage. Mitch McConnell voted no on federally protecting gay and interracial marriages. Now, when I say you need to be be careful with the bill, the bill does not just protect gay and interracial marriages across the country. The bill just says that the federal government must recognize gay and interracial marriages when those marriages originate in a state that allows gay and interracial marriages. So there could still be states out there if the Supreme Court overturns uh, protection for gay uh, rights, uh, gay marriage and interracial marriages. <clears throat> there could be states out there that begin to criminalize that activity. Just like they have with abortion. And if there are states out there that begin to criminalize those activities, the federal government is saying we're not going to step in, in the, at that point in time. At least this bill is saying that. But Mitch McConnell, a man who is in an interracial marriage, voted no on protecting interracial marriages. I, come on, man. I, come on. Anyway, the bill is most likely to advance. It's most likely to get to uh, President Biden's desk, and it is most likely to be signed in the law. But I will tell you that the bill needs to go much further. Uh, the bill needs to enshrine, if it can, gay and interracial marriages across the board. You guys always hear about codifying Roe in the law with legislation? That's what this would do. But they didn't do that. So I, I don't know what kind of a country we live in right now. I don't know what kind of a country we live in right now where we have politicians going, yeah, you know, some people really shouldn't be allowed to get married. It's nobody's fucking business who gets married. It's not your business, it's not my business, it's not their business, it's not her business. It's nobody's fucking business. As long as it's of consenting adults, it shouldn't fucking matter. It shouldn't matter if it's a white man and a black woman. It shouldn't matter if it's a man and a man. It shouldn't matter if it's a woman and a woman. It shouldn't matter if it's a black man and a white woman. It shouldn't matter if it's one man and three women or, or one woman and three men. It should not fucking matter who gets married as long as it's between consenting adults.
And it blows my mind that in 2022, that still needs to be said. Leave people alone. Let people get married. For the love of fucking Christ. Just let people live their fucking lives. You got no business telling people who can and cannot get married. None. Knock it the fuck off. But I digress. Because we got to jump into Trump land. Uh... We're going to start with Mike Pence, former Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, Mike uh, Pence has refused to meet with the January 6th committee. January 6th wants him to come in and talk about the events of January 6th, what he was going through, what he experienced, and where what he understands was going on. I'm going to read to you now briefly from Reuters. Former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence said he would not testify before the House of Representatives panel probing the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol because Congress, quote, has no right to my testimony, end quote. In an interview with CBS News, Pence said it would, set it, uh, it would establish a, quote, terrible precedent for the Congress to summon a vice president of the United States to speak about deliberations that took place at the White House, end quote. It is amazing to me that we allow these fucks to get away with this shit. The people who make and uphold our laws are telling you that they are above the law. And it's not just one side. It's one side right now. Back in the Obama era, Eric Holder was subpoenaed uh, to appear before Congress, and he defied that subpoena. Now you have all of Trump's people defying subpoenas. You got Mike Pence saying that the Congress has no right to his testimony. Who the fuck do you think you are? Are you not a citizen of the United States of America just because you were vice president and you spoke to the president? Means dick to me. You are a fucking citizen of this fucking country. Get your fucking ass down to the fucking Congress and Fucking testify. Has no right? Who the fuck do you think you are? When people show you who they are, pay attention. Because these fucks believe they are all above the law. The laws of this land don't apply to them. Why? Because they held some high-ranking position? Fuck that. That means the laws of the land should apply to you a tad more. You should be held to a higher standard than the average everyday Joe out there. But if I was called to testify before Congress, you better believe my ass would be dragged the fuck in to testify. Go get Mike Pence and drag his fucking ass before the goddamn committee now. If he defies... Throw him in fucking cuffs, drag him out of his fucking house, and make him do the fucking perp walk. Congress has no right. Fuck you. Fuck you and everything you stand for. You can go on every fucking TV interview known to man and talk about what happened on January 6th. You can sell a book to talk about what happened on January 6th. You can do interviews on radio to talk about what happened on January 6th. But you can't talk to the January 6th committee? Fuck you, you un-American sack of dog shit. Congress has no right to my testimony. The fuck they don't. The fuck they don't. And this Congress, before it gets turned over to the fucking Republicans, should submit to the DOJ recommendations for criminal charges for defying a subpoena against anybody, anybody who defies one. Now, they haven't officially subpoenaed him yet, but slap one on him today, let him defy that fucking subpoena, and then drag his ass before a judge. I am fucking sick and tired of politicians, both Republican and Democrat, 
talking about how they're above the law. No, you aren't. You never have been above the law. You are not currently above the law. You never fucking will be above the law. I need a hit. Excuse me. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, mama. Oh, that's good. That's good stuff. All right, we move on. As I uh, already mentioned, and as you probably already know, there's a runoff uh, election going on on December 6th in Georgia for the last Senate seat. Right now, uh, Democrats control uh, the Senate, and they will control the Senate in the next Congress. They have 50 seats. Republicans have 49. One seat is up for grabs, and that is the seat currently held by Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock in Georgia, who went up against Republican and Trump-backed candidate Herschel Walker. That race went to a runoff because in Georgia, if none of the candidates for senator get to 50%, then it goes to a runoff. And because there was a libertarian sack of shit who pulled 2.1% of the vote, neither of these two candidates got to 50%, so we're going to have a whole new election on December 6th. And all that election is going to do is determine whether or not the Democrats control the Senate by 50 votes or 51 votes. Having said that, Republicans immediately began fundraising to try and win that Senate seat. Only they did it in a fraudulent manner. The Herschel Walker campaign had to ask Republicans to stop fundraising in Georgia in the manner in which they are. Uh, Specifically, Donald Trump sent out a fundraising email uh, making it sound like he was raising money to win that seat. We got to win this seat. We got to get Herschel Walker elected. Send in your money now. Send in your money now. Only problem is, when you went down to the bottom and you clicked on your donation, it showed you that 90% of your money wasn't going to the Senate race in Georgia. For every dollar that you gave, Herschel Walker got 10 cents. The other 90 cents went to Trump. He's literally scamming his own people in real time, pretending to give a shit about a Georgia sentence. He is doing everything he possibly can to squeeze every last dollar out of every last cultist that he's got listening to everything he says. 90 cents on the dollar went to Trump. Herschel Walker and his campaign in Georgia got 10 cents for every dollar donated uh, through that Trump email. That's who the Republicans are in 2022, ladies and gentlemen. That's who Donald Trump is. An example, we now have further evidence that Trump was violating the Constitution with his D.C. hotel. I'm going to read to you now from NPR. Documents released by the House Oversight Committee and Reform Committee. uh, Let me say that again. Documents released by the House Oversight and Reform Committee show extravagant spending from foreign leaders at former President Donald Trump's luxury hotel in Washington, D.C., which the committee says could have violated his oath of office by distorting U.S. foreign policy for personal financial gain. Government officials from Malaysia, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the United Arab Emirates, Turkey, and the People's Republic of China collectively spent over $750,000 at the Trump International Hotel during his presidency, according to committee, committee chairwoman Representative Carolyn Maloney of New York. And, she said, did so, quote, at sensitive times for their country's relations with the United States. The documents, hotel ledgers from Trump's former accounting firm, Mazars USA LLP, were released in connection with a letter Maloney sent to the National Archives and Records Administration on Monday. That letter requested presidential records to determine whether Trump's businesses, sorry, business, was a conflict of interest and in violation of the Constitution's emoluments clause designed to prevent corruption and foreign influence on federal officers. 
quote, these documents sharply call into question the extent to which President Trump was guided by his personal financial interest while in office rather than the best interests of the American people. These documents, which the committee continues to obtain from Mazars, will inform our legislative efforts to ensure that future presidents do not abuse their positions of power for personal gains, said Maloney. The documents released Monday revealed that in 2017, then Prime Minister of Malaysia, Najib Razak, visited the White House that September while he and members of his family were being investigated by the Department of Justice for stealing from a Malaysian state-owned investment fund and money laundering. The hotel receipts show that Razak and his entourage spent at least $259,724 at his hotel, including on a $10,000 per night presidential suite. At least $164,929 was spent in late 2017 through mid-2018 by government officials from Saudi Arabia and the UAE when the two nations were isolating Qatar, a U.S. ally, for allegedly supporting terrorism, which Qatar denied. Trump approved a $1.3 billion arms sale to Saudi Arabia in March of 2018, despite concerns from Congress, a House Oversight and Reform Committee news release said. In an email, a Qatari government official rejected the committee's claims, claiming that the individuals in the report were private citizens, not members of the government. Quote, we respect the Oversight Committee's commitment to due process, the official said, but, the equally, but it is equally important that they correct these inaccurate and promote inaccuracies and promote the truth instead of misleading interpretations. <clears throat> so what this report says is that when foreign governments of questionable reputation needed Donald Trump's help the most, they just so happened to be spending tens of thousands of dollars at his hotel and then got favorable decisions from the president to aid their countries. <clears throat> there is no part of the Trump administration that wasn't for sale. No part of it. Everything w w was presented with a price tag. You want this? Yeah, we can make that happen. It's going to cost you X. You want that? Yeah, we can make that happen. It's going to cost you Y. Everything was for sale. Everything was for sale. Once again, above the law. There isn't another president that this would have flown with. Not one. But this one thinks he's above the law. Here, I'll give you another example. In addition to Mike Pence saying that he won't go before the January 6th committee, Trump himself has now defied a January 6th subpoena. See, unlike Pence, Trump was actually subpoenaed by the committee. I'm going to read to you now from Reuters again. Former President Donald Trump did not show up for deposition testimony before the Congressional Committee investigating his supporters' attack on the U.S. Capitol last year, the panel said on Monday. In doing so, Trump defied a subpoena issued by the panel in October. Quote, The truth is that Donald Trump, like several of his closest allies, is hiding from the Select Committee's investigation and refusing to do what more than a thousand other witnesses have done, said the leaders of the committee. That would be uh, Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney, a Democrat and a Republican. The panel did not say what the next steps uh, they might uh, take against Trump were. Thompson told the New York Times in an interview that he would not rule out seeking contempt of Congress charges against the former president. Quote, that could be an option. And we'll have to wait and see, Thompson told the Times. Well, Thompson, here's the problem, homie. You're all out of later. The Republicans are getting ready to take over the House. So if you're going to recommend contempt charges, you need to do it now and let the DOJ do what it's going to do. He went on to say, the first thing we'll do is see how we address the lawsuit. At some point after that, we'll decide to, uh, the path forward. Trump filed a lawsuit on Friday seeking to avoid having to testify or provide any documentation to the January 6th committee. The Congressional Committee has held a series of hearings as it seeks to make its case to the public that Trump provoked his supporters into storming the Capitol uh, on January 6, 2021. He successfully ran out the clock. He was waiting 
running out the clock in hopes that the Republicans would win the House and this investigation would go bye-bye. He succeeded. The investigation is going to go bye-bye. You have a few weeks left where you have the control, you have the power, and you can recommend contempt of Congress charges to the Department of Justice now. Once the Republicans take over, you can't do that. So do it. And, and it doesn't matter if, if the DOJ does or does not act on those recommendations that were given to it by Congress. It doesn't matter if they act before or after Republicans take control. Once the, the, the recommendation is sent over to the Department of Justice, it's entirely up to the Department of Justice at that point in time. So get those recommendations sent over. Steve Bannon just got prison time for the exact same thing. Steve Bannon's going to prison for a short period of time, but prison nonetheless for defying a congressional subpoena in regards to the January 6th committee. We have a precedence set. Send the recommendation immediately. But none of that was the big news of the week. As a matter of fact, we got two big news stories to end on this week, and they're they're both having to do with announcements from major players within each of the two parties. The big news this week was that Trump announced his candidacy and Nancy has signaled the end of her career. So first, let's talk about Nancy Pelosi for a moment, and then we'll get into Trump's announcement on the 2024 uh, presidential bid. This week, Nancy Pelosi has announced that she is not seeking re-election as the Democratic leader in the House. So what does that mean? Well, you got Democrats and Republicans in the House, and you got Democrats and Republicans in the Senate. Doesn't matter who controls the majority, each party within its ranks in each chamber elects upper leadership. So even if you're in the minority in the House of Representatives, your party still elects leadership, stating that that person is guiding your party's efforts within that chamber of uh, uh, Congress. Nancy Pelosi has been the leader of the Democrats for years in the House of Representatives. By saying she doesn't want to be the House leader of the Democrats anymore, she is signaling the end of her career. She is telling you that she is at, 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 the, at the latest, she's just not going to run for re-election in the next term. At the soonest, she'll retire sometime between now and the next election. But that's it. She's done. She's out. This is the, this is the, the, the swan song of Nancy Pelosi. It also fulfills a promise that she made in 2019, stating that if she became speaker again, she would only serve for a maximum of four more years. Some things to know about Nancy Pelosi. She was the first woman Speaker of the House. And one could argue one of the most effective speakers in American history. There is no doubt that there are millions of Americans that have health coverage because of Nancy Pelosi's efforts. She has done very good, very consequential things for the people of this country. It can also be said that she has done very harmful things to the legislative process and to the chamber in which she serves. Nancy Pelosi is chiefly responsible for blocking any and all legislation that would have tied the hands of members of Congress in regards to insider trading. Why? Nancy Pelosi makes a lot of money off of trading on the stock market based off of information she knows that we don't. So, I'm glad for the things that she has done for this country. I am happy and I respect the things that she has done for this nation. And I am also glad and happy that she is leaving. It is beyond time that she does. It is time for new leadership in both parties, and it appears that the Democrats are going to be getting their new leadership first. Nancy Pelosi is done. She's, until she retires or doesn't run for re-election again, 
She's just a rank-and-file member of Congress like anybody else. She's not leading the legislative charge. She's not uh, uh, the flag-bearer of the Democratic Party in the House. That is no longer her role. She's done. That also means that whenever the Democrats take the House back, because the political pendulum in this country swings back and forth, whoever the the majority party in the House of Representatives is, is the person who gets the Speaker of the House. Whenever the Democrats take the leadership, uh, take the majority back in the House of Representatives, the Speaker of the House will not be Nancy Pelosi. The next Democratic Speaker of the House will not be Nancy Pelosi, just so that everybody is well aware of how that works out. Now, we move on to the other big news story of the week. Trump announcing a 2024 bid. Uh, This week, uh, on Tuesday, in defiance of the wishes of the Republican Party, Donald Trump held an event at Mar-a-Lago, his rat hole estate in uh, beautiful Florida, to announce his presidency for the 2024 uh, uh, presidential election. As one would expect, he lied throughout the entire thing, and reporters were showing in real time that while he was still speaking, crowds of people were trying to leave, uh, and the people at the doors weren't letting them leave. They were, they were essentially held hostage until Der Muskfuhrer was finished talking. So let's first look at some of the lies. Uh, He said he finished the wall. No, you didn't. He said, we finished the wall and then we decided, let's build some more wall. Why would you need more wall if you finished the wall? Then he went on to talk about how they need to finish the wall in his next term. Well, which is it? Did you finish the wall or do you need to finish the wall? Or is it really that you need a lie to sell to your people and you're not intelligent enough to come up with any new material? So we're back to the wall. That was one major lie he told in his announcement. He also said that the Green New Deal is destroying our country. The Green New Deal is destroying our country. It's causing energy prices to be out of control and uh, us not to have enough energy. Uh, Tiger, the Green New Deal has never been passed. It's not in effect. It's never been signed into law. It hasn't passed Congress. It's not a thing. It's an idea, but it's not something that is enacted by law. So how is the Green New Deal, as it exists in idea format, destroying the country? He also said that he had the biggest tax cut ever, even bigger than Ronald Reagan's, but that's inaccurate. Ronald Reagan's tax cuts remain as the nation's largest tax cuts in American history. Of course, in bragging about the lie of him having the largest tax cuts ever, he fails to uh, mention that the tax cuts that he did implement were permanent for the upper earners and the corporations and temporary for you and me. He also said that he didn't have a war for decades. The first president to do that in years. Huh? What the fuck are you talking about, man? First things first, a decade is 10 years. You were in office for four. It's only been a total of six since you were elected. I don't think you don't understand what a fucking decade is. And if you're talking about being the first president in decades not to start a new war, I think you missed the eight years of the Obama administration. The guy can't tell the truth about a fucking thing. Nothing. And of course, he went on about how the election was stolen. And that brings us to 
How does this all play out? Well, <clears throat> the writing is kind of on the wall. I said Trump wasn't going to get elected elected in 2016 because I didn't think this country was stupid enough. I was wrong. This this country uh, took a flyer on Trump. He fucked the whole country up, and so everybody came out in 2020 and went, "Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that again." As a matter of fact, since Trump was elected in 2016, he has done nothing but kill the Republican chances in election after election after election. There was the big 2018 midterm elections. Trump got his ass handed to him. There was the 2020 presidential election. Trump got his ass handed to him. There was this year's 2022 midterm election. Trump got his ass handed to him. But Tom, Trump got a lot of members of the House of Representatives elected. Yes, he did. He got enough members of the House of Representatives elected that the House is going to be moot. The House is going to be at war with each other for the next two years, let alone at war with the Democrats. But all of the high-profile cases, people weren't paying attention on the national news to the little individual House races, with the exception of a few. They were paying attention to who's going to win governor's houses, uh, who, who was going to win uh, Senate races, who was going to win Secretary of State races. And all of the people who went out there and ran on, an, on, on the national spotlight of Trumpism and election denialism got their fucking asses handed to them. This country has resoundedly rejected candidate after candidate after candidate uh, that has campaigned and and lived their life by the 2020 election was stolen, Trump was cheated, and, and we're backed by Trump 100%. Those candidates have been losing for three election cycles. Now, enter Trump into this new election cycle, the 2024 election cycle. What's happened since Trump has announced on Tuesday? The Democrats have been pulling in record numbers uh, of campaign funds to beat Trump. Billionaire Republican donors who have backed Trump in 2016 and 2020 have now said they're not backing him in 24. They're going to back Ron DeSantis. Fox News has completely shit on him. Left and right. The newspaper that Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, if you don't know, is the person who started and owns Fox News. Uh, he also owns a newspaper. That newspaper put on their front page at the very, very bottom of the front page, one line that said, Florida man makes announcement, see page 26. They buried Trump's presidential election announcement on 26 and wouldn't even name him by name on the front page. Then started tweeting a whole bunch of shit from the official Fox News Twitter uh, 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 profile uh, page about how Ron DeSantis is the new leader of the Republican Party and the Republican Party has moved on from Trump. So Fox News is done with him. Mega donors are done with him. Uh, his daughter and son-in-law, Ivanka and Jared, said that they're not going to be in politics anymore. They're going to continue to support their father and father-in-law, but they're not going to do it within the political realm. Remember when Jared was appointed to run everything in the Trump administration? Now he's not going to be, be in politics at all. He's not going to be involved in the Trump campaign or organization in any way, shape, or form. Everybody's walking away from this fucking guy with the exception of his most ardent and hardcore supporters. So how does this play out? What happens? Well, he has now officially filed the paperwork and announced. He is trying to run for the candidacy of the Republican Party. The GOP, the Republican Party, is going to have a primary in 2024, and he's going to have to beat primary opponents. He can beat every single opponent that they throw at him with the possible exception of Ron DeSantis. So this whole thing now comes down to Ron DeSantis. Does Ron DeSantis want to run and go head-to-head -head with Trump in 24, or does he want to sit back and let Trump destroy the party and run in 28? Ron DeSantis is, after all, very young. He can continue to do whatever the fuck he wants in Florida as he gears up for 28. It's a possibility, but he's got a window right now. He's got backers right now. He, he's nationally known right now. And when asked about Trump's statements about him not being loyal, DeSantis not being loyal, DeSantis said, all I would say is check the scoreboard from the election. Meaning, the people I endorsed won. I managed to win and carry Florida. 
for the Republican Party and deliver some of the seats needed. What did Trump do? Well, he delivered some seats too, and he still got a lot of pull in the party. So let's just assume for a moment DeSantis decides he's going to run, and he announces a candidacy. What you're going to see are Republican primary debates in which Trump and DeSantis have to go back and forth at each other, and the American people, uh, the Republican Party American people, need to pick between those two candidates. Let's say Trump wins that nomination outright, and he's the Republican candidate in 24. Well, I think the American people have already shown you that they're not buying into Trumpism. So I think that... uh, while it'll be closer than anybody might actually like to imagine it, it's still going to be a presidential win for the Democratic candidate, most likely, if Trump is the nominee. Probably by at least the margin that you saw Biden beat him by, maybe slightly larger if we can pick up pick off another couple of states. But the American people are done with Donald Trump. Whether he wants to admit it or not, the American people have told him so. But let's say DeSantis wins. What happens then? And everybody goes, well, if DeSantis wins, then boom, the Republican Party has done away with Trump. Trump isn't just going to go away because he got beaten in a primary. Trump isn't just going to poof up and disappear and go, oh, well, I got beat. You go be the Republican candidate, and I'm just going to go over here and go fuck myself. No, especially if it's DeSantis. But anybody who beats Trump in a primary is most likely going to have to face one of a couple of different outcomes. Either Trump decides to run as an independent candidate because he'll then turn around and tell his supporters that not only was the 2020 presidential election rigged against him, but the 2024 primary was rigged against him. And wouldn't it just be a, a sweet bit of irony if Trump wound up losing his primary and turned around and used the exact same fucking excuses that the burners use on the left? for Bernie Sanders. Well, they took it from me. I had it in the bag and he took it from me. So that's one possibility. That Trump goes and he runs as an independent and splits the conservative vote and the Democrat walks into the White House. The other possibility is he doesn't run as an independent, but he goes around the country telling everybody that it was stolen from him and a campaign gets created to write him in. He wouldn't be an official on-the-ballot candidate but he'd be a write-in. Let's see how many write-ins we could get. I'll bet you that he could get 20 to 30% of the Republican Party to write him in if his name wasn't on the ballot. Once again, splitting the conservative vote. Any way you slice it or dice it, this is not good for the Republican Party. It's not good. They just lost uh, in this midterm. And I get it. They took the House. But they were supposed to take the House by 40 to 60 seats, and they were supposed to to control both chambers of Congress. The Democrats have one of the chambers, and they have a minuscule uh, majority in the other chamber. They got their asses handed to them in this election. They got their asses handed to them in 2020. They got their asses handed to them in 2018. And if they don't correct this Trump problem moving forward, they're going to get their ass handed to them in 2024. So where do we stand as a nation? Here's where we stand. The Republicans control the House and they're going to investigate Joe Biden and get zero legislation passed. The Democrats control the Senate. They're going to get judicial nominations through and block anything that does happen to come out of the House that's extreme and and right wing. Joe Biden has the uh, White House for the next two years and it's more likely than not that the Republican candidate in 2024 uh, could very well be a repeat of the Republican candidate in the last two election cycles. He's given it a third go, ladies and gentlemen. We are officially back into Trump is a presidential candidate. This is not going to end until he's no longer breathing. I don't want anybody to hurt him. I don't want any attacks on him. I'm stating a fact. Until Mother Nature takes him from this earth, this is never going to end. He is perpetually going to be running for president. We beat his ass in 20. 
will beat his ass in 24. Mark my fucking words. Donald Trump will never again be the president of the United States of America. Full fucking stop. With that being said, make sure you play snippets from this podcast and my TikTok videos to your crazy uncles and aunts at Thanksgiving this year. I would love to know that I was helping enhance your holiday experience in some way, shape, or form while simultaneously pissing off your relatives who back and support Trump. Folks, that's all I got for you this week. Reminder, there will be no podcast next week. It is the holiday week. No podcast next week. I want you guys to enjoy your Thanksgiving. Eat the fuck out your turkey. Uh, Make sure you load up on stuffing and rolls, as my son will do with the rolls. He doesn't like anything else on the table. Uh, Real quick note, uh, they had to write little letters this week for what they were thankful for uh, for Thanksgiving. And he wrote down sleeping. (laughs) He wrote down, he goes, I was thinking about writing bread, but I figured sleeping is what I get to sleep in on Thanksgiving. When my wife hears this podcast, she's going to make a mental note to herself to get that boy's ass up at 6 o'clock on Thanksgiving morning. Oh, you want to sleep? Get the fuck up. It's time to do shit. (laughs) Anyway, no podcast next week. Try not uh, to actually harm your crazy uh, uh, Trump-supporting aunts and uncles and cousins at Thanksgiving, but make sure they don't get away uh, away with spreading bullshit at the Thanksgiving table either. Clap back at them. Clap back at him. All right? And everybody, have a good Thanksgiving. I will see you again the first week in December. And with that, until then, as always, stay grateful.